Today's deacon uh, reading comes from the book of Psalms, chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits at the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, it's just an honor to be here in your presence with our friends and family. Lord, we love you and we praise you. That's why we're here. We have come to worship you. Father, we pray that your spirit would be heavy upon us this morning. We pray that your word would penetrate our hearts. We pray that your word would not return void, but accomplish what you want to accomplish this morning. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for Jesus, our Savior. Lord, we praise you for what you've done for us. We praise you that you are almighty God. Lord, we just ask you to be with us now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Good morning. It's good to see y'all, y'all. Um, if you would, would you please stand with us? And uh, we're going to open up our hearts and just uh, worship the Lord. These first few songs we're going to sing is about the blood of Jesus. And they all go, let's see what I'm talking about. But uh, I wanted to read a few verses that uh, speak about our Lord and Savior. And... Um, what he did for us on the cross of Calvary. Isaiah 53, um, I'm going to read a select, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but select verses. It says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. And by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. So Jesus' death on the cross paid for all mankind. He paid for all of our sins so that we could experience his presence and live with him and be free. Nothing that we could ever do could, could earn favor with God. Jesus did it all for us, and let's worship him this morning. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of 
pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your grace. We thank you for the love that we have in Christ. We pray this morning, God, that you would guide our worship. You would guide us to worship in spirit and in truth. You would guide us to worship you and you alone. That, God, you would remove the distractions from our life. You would tear down the idols in our life. God, any, anything, anyone that we worship more than you, God, I pray that you would remove those so that we would worship you completely, truly, and fully. That we would worship you because you are holy, 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 and most deserving, completely deserving unmatched in deserving our worship. God, we pray that you would, God, guide our church as we continue to be light in the darkness of this community. God, I pray that you would use us, 
you would use us in a mighty way for your purpose and your plan. God, you would use us to be hope to those that are hopeless, light in the darkness that we find ourselves in. God, we pray for those this morning who are sick. We, we pray thanking you, God, that, that the numbers of those who have been sick, God, have continued to, to drop. And that, God, we have great hope, not because of anything that is done, God, in Washington or in Raleigh, but because of all that you have done for us. And God, we pray for comfort for those who are hurting. We pray that they would know you and rest in your goodness and grace. God, we pray. God, we pray for the things that are upcoming in our church as we, God, continue to try to serve you, reaching out to our community. God, we pray for those things now. We pray for, for God, all that we're doing, that we would focus on you and trust, God, that you'll do great and abundant things. God, I pray for each person who's here. That as they go from this place later today, God, that you would just use them to be your ambassadors to a world that desperately needs you. You would use them, God, to reach their neighbor, to reach their co-worker. God, with your good news. God, lead and guide us as we worship. And we thank you that we can worship as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
resurrection nothing speaks love more than that and father this morning I pray that you'll be with our pastor as he brings the word to us Lord God I pray that you'll give him the words to speak I pray that you'll give him the mercy and grace to tell us the truth because we need the truth you are the truth you're the way you're the life you're everything to us and without you we would be nowhere Father, help us to be mindful of that because there's so many times when I go through life and I just think God has it. I'm, I'm okay. God has it. But I never stop and actually thank you for having me in your hand. I never stop and acknowledge the fact that you do this because you love us. Father, help us to be more mindful of the gift that you've given us every day that you give us our breath, our family, our church, our community, Lord. Father, I pray that you will make us a church of missions. God, that we have a mission right here in our community. There's so many people that don't know you. Father, when a church can add to its numbers by, by moving church letters, Lord, that's not church growth. God, we need to see church growth. We need to see you saving souls and people coming to realize how much that you truly do love us. Father, I pray, I pray that you will prepare us for that mission. Father, I pray that you'll break our hearts, that you'll bring us to our knees, that we will acknowledge you in everything that we say and do, and that we will have the courage to continue to, to share the truth no matter how hard no matter how many no's we get or doors shut in our face. Father, give us the strength and the mercy and the grace to show the world who you are. Help us to shine your light today, tomorrow, and every day this week. Pray all this in your name.
set this right here. Set this right here. Well, if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 16 this morning. Acts chapter 16. I would say it's good to be back this morning, but I was here last week. Uh, we were supposed to be on vacation, and it turned into a, a staycation, uh, which was, was pretty good. Although I did have to work one day building a rabbit enclosement rabbits that for some reason we don't plan to eat so very disappointing I hear they're tasty my kids won't like hearing that I can already see Addie looking at me even though I don't have my glasses on uh, but it was good to have a week uh, at home and and enjoying um, well just not being in the office for a week um, but it's good to be back uh, preaching God's word I want to kind of tell you where we're going to be going over the next few weeks. Um, we're going to, to work our way through most of Acts chapter 16, and then for the summer, um, we are going to step back from Acts and go through Paul's letters uh, to the Thessalonians and be looking at that in June and July and into August, and then come back to Acts uh, in the fall. And uh, we do that for a, a few days. Uh, reasons, uh, one of them just being that after you know a, a long amount of time like we've been in the book of Acts, um, it's good to have a, a little break and, and we're at a good point uh, to be able to take that break in Acts. Um, and uh, it's also you know good uh, for you to hear a different portion um, of God's Word. And so I was looking recently and um, we are somewhere about a third of the way through the books of the Bible. Uh, over the last eight years. Now, that's a little misleading, though, uh, because um, some of the books in the Old Testament are really, really big. So we're not a third of the way through the Bible, uh, but if you look at the 66 books, uh, we're something like, after Thessalonians, like 21 or 22, and so that's good, um, And uh, but if when we get back into the Old Testament, some of those are, are well, they're big. As you know, as we've been going through Genesis on Sunday nights. There's a lot there, uh, but excited uh, for where God is taking us through His Word. Acts chapter 16. As we come to this, I'll remind you of where we were at the end of Acts chapter 15. There had been great rejoicing because God had done something amazing in the life of the Jewish church and the Gentile church. He had brought them together with great unity. They had, they had come to the conclusion that, that the Gentile Christians did not have to obey the law of Moses. They did not have to go through with the circumcision to be saved, to be Christians. And this was a, a great moment. They were, they were excited about it. In fact, we, we see that, that many people come to Christ. They are preaching and teaching the word of the Lord there in chapter 15. They were excited. They delivered the letter and the church was ready to go. But then a division arose over this man named John Mark. 
Barnabas wanted to take him on the missionary journey. Paul did not think it was wise to take the one who had abandoned them and try to go back to where it was going to be difficult. There was going to be heartache. There was going to be hardship. And he said, we can't take this guy. He abandoned us last time. We can't take him again. And so we find that in verse 39 of chapter 15, there arose a sharp disagreement, and so they separated from each other. This had to be a despairing moment. So much had been done. So much good had been done by these two men out working together. And now over this, they split up. Barnabas took Mark, we're told, and they went to Cyprus, which is where Barnabas was from, and Paul chose Silas, and he departed, and they went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. This could have been a, a moment where Paul just kind of threw in the towel. If we can't work it out, if I can't work it out with my, my brother here, could have thrown in the towel. Many of us might have done that. We might have been greatly disappointed that we, we had to break up the team. What was going to happen? What was going to be the mission? Would it continue? We find out those answers as we come to chapter 16. And so I invite you to stand with me in reverence to God's Word as we begin reading Acts chapter 16 beginning in verse one. The Bible says this, Paul came also to Derby and Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them the observance, for observance, the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Messiah, they attempted to go to Bethina, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. But passing by Messiah, they went to Trous. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And setting sail from Trous, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Nepalus, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, And on the Sabbath, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed that there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods and a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. 
And after she was baptized in her households as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. You may be seated. What would Paul do? What would Paul do when things got difficult? What would Paul do when it seemed like the people who had left, the people who had went away from him were were the ones who were so vital to what he was doing? When Barnabas walked away, going somewhere else to do his work, the man who, remember, Barnabas had himself went to Paul and said, come be with me and a part of this journey. Come come to where I am and help me teach these people and, and pray with them and preach to them. This had come to this point where, where Barnabas has left him, they've had a disagreement, they could not resolve it, and they went their own way. What would Paul do? Would the mission continue? Well, the answer is most certainly yes. The mission must continue. No matter what happens, no matter what difficulties come about, no matter what hardships present themselves, the mission must continue. It it cannot stop. It cannot go away. It will not go away because the need is there and the need is always urgent. The mission must continue. The work must continue. So what does he do? What does Paul do to to allow the work to continue, to encourage the work to continue on? I want us to consider three things that Paul does here to ensure that the mission continues on and that the work is done. The first we see in these first five verses Paul had the right people on the mission. Paul had the right people on the mission. He came to Derby and Lystra, and what do we find in verse 1? A disciple was there named Timothy. Now we recognize that name. We realize that's an important name. He's going to, to write to him letter, later. Timothy becomes an important person in the history of the church, an important leader. As Paul writes what we refer to as the pastoral epistles to Timothy and Titus, two men that he had mentored and worked with. He comes here, and we don't have a sense that he knew him before, but he meets Timothy, and he wants to take him on the trip. A disciple is there named Timothy, We know about Timothy that he was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He's well spoken of in the community, and he wanted to take him with him. And so he went, and he circumcised him, and then he went. Why? Why would he do that? Didn't we just agree that that was not necessary? We did, right? We, we, we had that in chapter 15. You remember, that was, that was covered in the letter. That's not necessary. And yet, why does he do that here? Paul knows the audience that he is going to have. The audience that he is going to go to is going to begin as a Jewish audience. And Jews who do not know Jesus 
in the time in which Paul is ministering would not have a conversation, a meal, fellowship with an uncircumcised man like Timothy. And so even though it was not necessary, we read here that Timothy is a believer. He is a disciple. But if he wants to go on this mission with Paul, he's going to have to be prepared to sit with a Jewish audience to tell them about Jesus. And so he is willing to do whatever it takes to gain an audience with these Jewish people. Whatever it takes. Was this required? No. We, we've established that. The letter was very clear. Just keep yourselves from what? Sexual immorality and, and things sacrificed to idols. They, they call them to do that, but, but the rest is up to them. And yet we're immediately confronted in chapter 16 with this man who is willing to be circumcised so that he can go out and share the good news. What does he say? Verse 3, because of the Jews who were in those places where, where the mission was going to take them. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. In other words, they knew that he was from a mixed marriage where he was not fully Jewish like them. And yet he's willing to go. Paul had the right people on the mission. He took Timothy. He made sure Timothy was ready. And the churches were strengthened. What do they take? In verse 4, they went through the cities. They delivered to them the observance. For observance, the decisions that had been reached by the apostles. What, What are they talking about? They carried that letter with them. So when they came to a place where there was a church, they could say, hey, this is what they have said. When they established a church, they could say, hey, this is the parameters. These are the guidelines for you as a church from our leaders in Jerusalem. And what happened? The churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. Paul made sure the right people were on the mission. You know how important that is? That we have people, that we are people, who are willing to do whatever it takes to accomplish the mission. That, that we're willing to do whatever needs to be done in our life to be ready. And as the church, we make sure that people are serving in the places that they should be and doing the things that they should be doing. I'll give you an example. Previous church I pastored, there was a man in the church who thought very highly of himself. You may know somebody like that. Thought very highly of himself. This is not a personal example where I'm talking about myself. Because I would say, me, I think very highly of myself. No, this is just a guy. And I was sitting down with him one day. He was, had been ill and he began to rant, and he often ranted when you went, that's why nobody wanted to go and sit down with him, because he would rant about whatever he was upset about, which was always something. And he was furious that he had not been elected a deacon. Just angry. Just mad. And he was naming names. Like, 
I'd be a better deacon than this guy. And I would certainly be a better deacon than that guy. And then my favorite, I know I give more money to the church than that guy. I don't know if he did or not. I have my doubts. But that's what he said. And he was convinced that every time there were deacon elections, that he was passed over because the deacons were just a good old boy system and he wasn't one of the good old boys. He was angry about it. And he was letting me know and he was letting other people know. And you know what that conversation did? It convinced me as to why nobody ever nominated him to be a deacon. Is because he had no business being a deacon. Do you know what I concluded before I left there to come here to be your pastor eight years ago? Is that what that man needed most was not to be a deacon, but was to become a believer. And I wouldn't just say that flippantly. I truly believe that the problem is he had never repented of his sin and believed the gospel. And see, in the world in which he worked, and it was a a fast-paced world, and it was a a high-dollar world, the world in which he was in, you gained honor and respect and position by the money you had or the degrees on your wall or your abilities. But here, Paul takes a young man who is in good standing with his community he helps him to get ready for the mission, which, you know, think about this conversation now that they had to have. Timothy had to be really dedicated to going with Paul on this mission. He had to be really willing to go because he has to make a sacrifice to go. And yet Paul knew he was the right person. So for us, we need to make sure that we're using the right people in the right places to do what God has us to do. But can I tell you that we also have to make sure that we are willing to do what it takes to go? Because sometimes it's difficult to do what God calls us to do. You know, this is not some easy road where if you just follow Jesus, everything is hunky-dory. I've heard that preached, and friends, that is false. Because sometimes the road following Jesus is painful. Sometimes it's full of heartache. Sometimes you're going to be disappointed. But we need to be willing to do whatever it takes to go. Whatever it takes to go wherever God tells us to go. You know, I'm thankful for some of these young people that are going to go with me in a couple months to El Salvador. I've tried to be honest with them. Like Jim knows, he's been, Patrick's been, you know, it's not always easy and it's normally hot, although Jim got to go in December, so it wasn't quite as bad. We're going in July and it's, it's going to be hot and it's not always comfortable and sometimes the food they sit in front of you, you're like, eh, maybe I could skip a meal. I mean, I could stand to skip a meal so I can survive in El Salvador. But there's places and there's callings a lot more difficult than a week spent in Central America. And if we want to do what God is calling us to do and go where God is calling us to go, we've got to make sure that we're the right person. 
Not only do, do we as, as leaders in the church have to make sure that we got the right people in the right places and, and do like Paul and, and kind of weigh out who you've got and, and where they need to be and where their giftedness is, but friends, we want to make sure that we're the type of person that God can call at any moment because He knows that for us, we'll drop whatever we're doing and do what God has said. And if in the middle of your life, if it's comfortable and easy and things are going well and God says, no, you're going to make a change and do something that's going to be hard, are we the type of person that sits down the ease of life to go do what God has said? If God calls you to go somewhere you've never been before, He calls you to talk to somebody that you normally wouldn't talk to, He calls you to, to sell your stuff and go move somewhere else, are you willing to do that? Does God have full access to your bank account, your calendar, your passport? Because if not, then are you really prepared to go and do what God has called you to do? And, and if you're not willing to do that, then what's even this all about? This man named Timothy is here. He meets a guy named Paul, and Paul says, hey, I want you to go with me on the trip. Now that sounds good. Wait, no, I want you to go with me where Christ has never been preached and where they will hate us. That doesn't sound as good. And by the way, if you want to go, you're going to have to be circumcised because we're going to have to have fellowship with Jewish men and they're not going to sit down with you and talk to you about the things of God the way you currently are. Will you go with me on a trip? Sounds pretty good. Will you follow me possibly to your death? And by the way, you've got to be circumcised before we go. Doesn't sound quite as good. And yet Paul, through the leading of the Spirit, knew Timothy was the guy to go with him. Silas, as we saw in the last chapter, was the guy to go with him. And he called him because he wanted to have the right people on the mission. Second, he went to the right places. He went to the right places. They begin on their trip. And what do we read in verse 6? They're going to go to a place. They're going to go to Phrygia. They're going to go to Galatia. And they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. You see how God completely changes their direction. He directs them to another continent. Now think about this. They're going to go to Asia... And he says, the Spirit says, no, you're not going there right now. Now, did the Spirit ever lead anybody to Asia? Sure they did. We know that as the disciples spread out, they spread out across the known world. But God had a specific place He wanted Paul to go. Then they come, verse 7, to Messiah. They attempted to go into Bethina, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Again, they're, they're trying to go somewhere. They're trying to go somewhere and share the good news. And the Spirit says, no, not there. So they passed by the place and they went to Trous. And a vision, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging them, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Come over to Macedonia and help us. The Spirit directs them away from Asia, but then Paul has what we refer to as the Macedonian call. 
a man standing there saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Come to us and share with us the good news. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia. The language changes here. Did you notice that? We've not had this language yet in the book of Acts. Verse 10, we sought to go into Macedonia. God had called us to preach. Verse 11, we made a direct voyage. We remained. Somebody else gets involved here. We begin to have Luke, the author. So, so not only, going back to the first point, not only has, has Paul now had Silas with him, and he's got Timothy with him, now he's got Luke with him. God built this amazing team of missionaries in a time when it seemed like everything was falling apart when Barnabas John Mark picked up and left. Paul had the right people. Now we see he goes to the right places. He goes to Macedonia. On his way there, they make direct voyage. They land in Philippi, which is a, a leading district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. They stayed there some days. They went outside the gate to the riverside where we suppose there was a place of prayer. They go to the place where God is working. Commentators aren't sure why there was no synagogue there. It's possible that in that city there were less than 10 Jewish men, which was what was required to have a synagogue. In fact, we, we don't read here that they engaged with men at all, but rather there were women gathered by the river at a place of prayer. And that's where they went. They went to the right place. See, we can't go everywhere. It's not possible. We can go everywhere from the standpoint of, of there is nowhere, I believe, that is outside of what we are able to do. We can't be everywhere at one time. We can't do everything at one time. We, we've got to know, we've got to pray. We've got to plead with God, where should we, we be working? I was recently having a, a conversation with, with someone that, that works with the International Mission Board, which is the, the mission sending agency of our Southern Baptist Convention. It's who we support through our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And, and he and I were texting back and forth, and I asked him, I said, do you have anybody in El Salvador? That, that we could connect with next time we're there. I, if we've got some missionaries there, I would like to, to buy them dinner next time we're in El Salvador. And he said, you know, we've not actually had anybody in El Salvador in 10 years, uh, a missionary from, from the IMB. And the reason for that is because, one, a few years ago, we had to drastically shrink the number of missionaries that we had, but but even before that, we, we'd begun to concentrate sending our missionaries. The, these are our full-time, fully funded missionaries. None of them have to raise any money on their own. It's not like other mission organizations where you've got to ask people constantly for money. Our churches, our 40,000 Southern Baptist churches, support these missionaries to go out. But we're sending them to places that have never heard the gospel, and for good reason. Because there are people this morning who have never heard the name of Jesus in places in 
Africa, the Middle East, throughout many parts of Asia, they've never heard the name of Jesus. And so we're, we're sending our missionaries to those places. But if you've been to El Salvador like I have, there's still great needs there. And there are a lot of churches, but, but there's still a lot of people who don't know Jesus and haven't heard about Jesus. There's not a lot of opportunities for pastors to gain training and enrichment and encouragement. And so when he told me that, it was like reading this passage, God confirming we are going to the right place. Because we're supporting these missionaries who are going to the places where they live and learn different languages and, and are preaching and teaching to people who have never heard the name of Jesus. But we are able to come behind those missionaries who have done such great work in places like El Salvador and help encourage and strengthen churches and pastors. It's the right place for us to be. Paul went to the right places. God did not allow him to go to some places. Why? I don't know. Why did God send him into Europe instead of, instead of sending him on into Asia? Or why did God not send him south into Africa? Why, why did God send him to Europe? Because that was God's plan. Because if he had been heading to Asia... The effect he would have had in Asia would have been much different than in Europe. When he crosses over into Europe, he, he begins a journey that will eventually take him to Rome. Rome was the place at the center of the known world. Rome was the seat of power. And by the gospel spreading in Rome, even though it came with great persecution and great struggle, eventually it would spread throughout Europe from Europe, it would spread to the Americas and it would spread across Asia and throughout Africa to the ends of the earth. God put Paul exactly where he wanted him to be. And Paul went to the right places. He went where God told him to go. He went to where people were hungry for the good news. They made a direct line to this place of prayer beside the river, and they sat down and spoke with the women who had gathered together there. Friends, do you seek after the place that God wants you to be? See, I'm afraid that in our culture, especially in the church culture, a lot of people seek out to be in the place where they are most comfortable. But they do not seek out the place where they are most effective. And there's a world of difference. Paul could have probably been very comfortable many other places. But he chose to go to the place God directed him because that was the place he would be most effective. If you read on through the rest of chapter 16, you find out that he runs into a lot of problems. Eventually, there is a man who is a jailer who is converted, as we will see in the coming weeks. But guess what? That meant that Paul was in jail. This was not a place of comfort when he went into Europe, when he went into Philippi and began to preach the gospel. And yet it is the place he was most effective because that's where God called him to be. He went to the right place. Friends, do we concern ourselves with where we do ministry? 
Because let me promise you, it is really easy to settle for doing something good when God has called us to do something great. It's very easy as a church for us to get settled in a routine and continue doing things over and over again that are good and helpful when God might be calling us to do something great. But it might mean that we work in a different way or in a different place. Are we praying as a church? Are you praying as a family? Are you praying as an individual that God would have you working in the right place That He would direct you to the people who need to hear Him. That He would direct you to be involved in the ministries that are most effective. Can I make a pitch? I don't even know what the sign-ups are. But friends, we should never have to beg anybody to sign up for Vacation Bible School. Why? Because it's such an effective place. Because we have young people come to our church to hear the good news. It shouldn't be difficult. It's an easy thing. We, but VBS can be hard because kids are bratty. I mean, some of you had to deal with mine. They're a little older, so maybe they're a little better now, but now their mouth works. You know, they, Kids can come with baggage. They can be rambunctious. Uh, I think they call that something now. They give them a pill for it. But when I was a kid, you're just rambunctious. But can I tell you that when I was 11 years old at Vacation Bible School, First Baptist Church in Taylorsville, the last night or the next to last night, the the pastor got up and spoke and said, hey, anybody who'd like to follow Jesus, just come with me and we're going to go to the back and talk about it. And I went back there and the Lord saved me that night. And that pastor who actually, I found out much later, I would greatly disagree with theologically. Like he and I would be on opposite ends of the theological spectrum. The, the Lord called him home uh, a few years ago in a car accident, but we wouldn't agree on much. As I found out later when I met him years and years later, I didn't, I didn't see him again for almost a decade. And yet that day in that place, he was in the right place. Listen, he was, he was doctor so-and-so, and he was well-known, and he could have been anywhere. He was there in that room that day in the right place to share with me the good news. And the Lord saved me there. Paul made sure he was in the right place because that's where the Spirit of God was calling him. Are you doing that? Because let me promise you this morning, there's some people in the wrong place. Maybe none of you, but but in the church as a whole, there's some people in the wrong place. They're sitting listening to a message this morning because it makes them feel good, not because the Lord's using it. Let's be in the right place. When we have the opportunity to serve, let's go there. Let's be there. Let's see where the Lord is working. Paul used the right people, and he went to the right place. And then a third thing, he shared the right message. He shared the right message. 
They come and they sit down at the place of prayer out there near the river. Nothing spectacular to talk about. Maybe in a place where there weren't even enough people to have, or enough men to have a synagogue. But there are some ladies gathered there and they go there and they speak to them in the right place. And what do we see in verse 14? One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. How do we know he had the right message? Because the Lord opened her heart. Have you ever thought about that? The, the, the Lord's not opening her heart if Paul is telling her something false. Satan might have opened her heart to that message, but the Lord wasn't going to do so. But when they go with the right people to the right place, and they share the right message. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And she was baptized and her whole household as well. Lydia heard the good news. She heard the good news from Paul and she was baptized. Can I tell you that if we've got the right people... And we're in the right place. The wrong message isn't worth anything. I have no doubt that there are cults existing in the world right now that have top-notch people. They have A++++ leaders. They've got wonderful facilities. They're in important locations for the message they're in places that have never heard the good news but their message is garbage whether it's some false religion whether it's some distortion of biblical truth whatever it is the right people the skilled people the the, the most skilled musicians the most gifted speaker leading with the wrong message is worthless but Paul shares the right message. He shared the right message there at the place where people were gathered. We're told that this woman is a worshiper of God. And we don't know if that means that she was a, a Jewish lady. If she was a Gentile lady who had, had accepted some of the things of God, but, but not all of the things of God. Whatever it was, it didn't matter. She was there as they went to the right place, she was there as the right people walked in and the word of God was proclaimed. The, the gospel truth was proclaimed and her heart was open. She paid attention to Paul. She was baptized, her and her whole household. And in fact, she invited them then to come and stay with her. It's likely that she was a woman who was either divorced or widowed because she appears to be the head of her household, which would be quite unusual at the time. And yet God worked such a miracle in her life that she invited them to come and stay, and that is where they stayed, and that is where they set up their base of operation. Paul shared the right message. Can I tell you that, that even, even we struggle with that sometimes? Because we are so tempted by the world to water down our message, 
to, to leave out some of the parts. Not include everything. We'll do this, we'll do this for adults, we'll do this for kids, we'll kind of change things around. Friends, our message is so powerful, all we need to do is share it directly. And you say, well, this, this will offend. Yeah, it will, especially in 2021. Friends, our message is going to offend. But let me promise you that, that that offense is taken because people live in their sin. And when we share our message, it's light shining in on the darkness. When that light shines on the darkness, it, it exposes the darkness for what it is. But what it really does deep down is even the person who is offended, it begins to change their heart and break their heart. Our message cleanses people from all unrighteousness. Even when it's hard to hear, even when we know it's going to be difficult to hear. Friends, the message that we have is the right message. And it stands in contrast to all of the wrong messages of the world. All of the messages that are telling people to do all of these crazy things that are driving them closer and closer to an eternity in hell. And we have the one message that brings hope. We have to accept that, that people in their sin are content with living their life separated from God, not worrying about what is ahead. That, that many find great contentment in that. And when our message says that, that there's an eternity ahead and God has come down from heaven, He has taken on flesh and dwelt among us, that Jesus is the only way. Friends, that will hurt and offend, but it is the only message that can save. And if we give people some watered-down gobbledygook, some self-help, self-righteous, wayward thinking, it may provide them temporary comfort in their mind, but it will not provide them the eternal comfort of the cross. Paul in this moment shares the right message. message a message that, that has not been preached on this continent before. And he goes and shares it with someone who worships God but does not really know who they are worshiping. She does not know who she is worshiping. And yet afterwards, her heart is open. Friends, what kind of message do you share? I'm not thinking just about the message that you would share here at church. Right, like I, I would expect that if you're one of our Sunday school teachers, that, that you're sharing a biblical message. But what kind of message do you share in the way you live when you leave here? What kind of message do you share in the way you do business with other people? Many of your teachers, what kind of message do you share in the way you teach 
your classroom? The business you work at, what, what kind of message do you share with the life that you live in front of your coworkers? Is it the same message if you came and sat up here or you go to one of the kids' classrooms and, and teach them? Is it a consistent message? Would you share the same message if you came this morning and occupied this pulpit and began to share the message that you share Monday through Friday? Would it be the right message? Paul shared the right message day in, day out. Whether he's speaking from behind a lectern, sitting around a table, fellowshipping, working as a tent maker, whatever it was, his message was consistent. Jesus is the way. He shared the right message in the right place, surrounded by the right people, and God did amazing work. I want to challenge you with this. Paul could have been discouraged. I'm sure he was discouraged. It doesn't say he was discouraged, but how would he not be discouraged? You get in a fight with a man that you love and have worked with and you have to part ways. That has to be discouraging. And yet he... He selects Silas. He calls Timothy. He's partnered with Luke. He got the right people and he went on the mission. He did not give up because things got difficult. He did not throw in the towel. He did not let disagreement. He would not let controversy. He would not let being jailed. He would not let famine. He would not let plague. He would not let anything stop him from the mission. He got the right people and he went on the mission. Are you ready to fulfill the mission that God has given us? Are you ready to fulfill the, mess, the mission with the message? Not some other message, not some self-help garbage, but are you ready Ready to fulfill the mission with this great message that God has given us that we can go into the world and make disciples, sharing with them, teaching them all that Christ has commanded us. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Never forgetting that He, Christ, is with us even to the end of the age. Don't forget this. The right people in the right place with the right message, can change the world. We know of four men in this mission party, this missionary journey. There were others, but we've had four that have, that have been brought to us right here. Silas and Paul, Timothy and Luke. These four together are going to change the world. Friends, they are no different than we are. Sinners saved by the grace of God. But they made themselves available. They went where God directed them. And they shared the message that God gave to them. The only message that can save. The message that we still have to share even today. 
Are we ready to go? Are we ready to make ourselves the right people so that we can go where God sends us with a message that saves sinners and brings them to God? Gives them hope and gives them an eternity in heaven with Christ. Are we ready to go where God is leading us to go? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your grace and Your goodness. We thank You that You have given us hope. You've given us peace. You've given us the joy that comes from knowing You. God, I pray this morning that each person here would commit themselves to following You. Commit themselves to going on the mission that You have for them. That we would not only seek to surround ourselves with the right people, but we would seek to be the right person that You would use. That we would prepare our hearts that all that we have would belong to You. Our bank account, our calendar, our passport, they are Yours. Take us where You would have us to go. God, I pray that you would lead and guide us to the right places, that we would not get distracted by the left or the right. We would not get distracted by other things we could be doing, but God, we would be doing what you have called us to do. God, I pray that as we go, we would never change or distort your message. We would obey you and share your truth because we know that your truth will save, does save, has saved, will continue to save, has saved us. So we pray, God, that we would share your message of hope with a world that is lost and dying. God, lead and guide us. Take us where you would have us to go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me as we sing this final song this morning. Would you pray to God that He would prepare you for what is ahead? Would you pray even this morning that He would prepare your heart to go where He has for you? That you would be at work in your own life, that He would be at work in your life so that you would be prepared to go wherever He sends you. That you would be obedient to go and you would take his message of hope. Maybe you need to come this morning and pray that God would prepare your heart. Cry out to him. God, use me. Use me for your kingdom. Use me in your service. Let me be obedient, God, to what you have for me. Would you pray that prayer as we sing this song? My Jesus, I love Thee, I know Thou art mine, for Thee all the follies of sin I resign, my gracious
dust is now. Well, I'm glad you came to worship this morning. I hope as you go, the Lord will continue to speak to you through His Word. That we would seek to be on mission for Him. Seeking out people who are lost to share with them the good news. Because if we don't, we need to remember, they're going to be bombarded with news. I'm not talking about just on the television, but the world around them is going to give them something. It's going to pour into them. It's going to invest in their life. The world is going to show them every way but God's way. And we, we are the voice of hope to a world that is hopeless. And we have to remember that as we go out today. That God has loved us and sent His Son to die in our place. And so we go because we love others who desperately need him. I hope you'll stay for Sunday school. Our kids and youth will be meeting in their classrooms, our adults in here. Hope you'll come back tonight. Uh, this is our, our last Sunday night before summer, uh, Sunday night Bible study, and we're going to be finishing up uh, the book of Genesis this evening. So come back and, uh, and study that with us as we consider uh, what God has said in his word. I want to pray for us, and we're going to be dismissed. I hope you all have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace. We thank you that you love and care for us. And we pray that as we go, God, you would use us for your kingdom and glory. You would use us to reach out to a world that is lost and dying. God, we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. And as we go, I pray that we'll take that hope to others who have never heard, who have not heard in a while, who have heard but need to be reminded. God, take us wherever you would have us to go for your mission to reach the world for Christ. We praise you for who you are and all that you're going to do. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.